This is HPR episode 1858 entitled, Multimeter Mods Part 2. It is hosted by Anibil and is about 23 minutes long. The summary is, Anibil finishes modification 2 to his multimeter. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. This is NY Bill, and I thought I'd do the follow-up to an earlier episode I did about, it was called Multimeter Mods, part one. I didn't expect that to be a two-part show, but if you listen to it, I just ran into a few issues at the end, and it was long enough already, so I had to order some parts and wait for those to come in, and then order some more parts and wait for those to come in, but I'll get to that in a minute. So the parts I was looking for were an on-on momentary switch, because what I wanted to do this meter in case you haven't heard the last episode was install a backlight which I did in the last episode and install a MOSFET that would allow this doesn't this meter does not have an auto off if you leave the dial in a function it'll just run until the battery dies and I kept doing that because I'm used to my fluke meter that I use at work and that auto times off I'm just used to throwing it you know back in the bag when I'm done with it and the battery lasts forever turns off after geez Three minutes, I guess. Five minutes. So this Unity UT61E does not have a timeout feature. I wanted to add one using a MOSFET. And having a momentary switch when I pull it in, it charges up a capacitor. The capacitor drains through a resistor. And the voltage, as the capacitor is draining, is going to be in the threshold of the MOSFET that's going to pull in the MOSFET and act like a switch. So the first thing I had to do was find, and well, what I originally wanted was an on-off momentary switch, and I couldn't find one of those anywhere. When you go to uh, my episode, Gathering Parts, I talked about DigiKey and Mauser. I use them a lot. There are some other ones I just don't tend to use them. Like there's Element 14, and there's some other big components distributors out there that, oh, what's that other one? Starts with an M. I'm not going to remember it now. Uh, when you, go to, when you go to them and you look up, like, I wanted to go to switches, so I go to the switch section. And then there's, like, 100,000 switches. So you start using the filters to narrow things down. So I went to, I'm trying to, this was, like, almost a month ago now. I'm trying to remember how I did it. Oh, I selected the, uh, what I wanted. I wanted on, off, momentary. And when I went to that filter, there was none. But what I did see in that filter was on, on, momentary. So I talked about in the last episode how... That will effectively work as an off. I just didn't use the center terminals, so they're not doing anything. When the switch is in the middle position, there's no power going anywhere, so that's off. So I click on that filter, and usually what I'm used to is you're looking for a part, and there's 70,000 results, and you start filtering, 
and you go down to 30,000 results and then 20,000 and you narrow it down to you get to a point where you know or you're maybe at 100 100 different devices to choose from and then you can just start looking through price and you know you can find your part that way when i clicked on this on on off or on on momentary switch option in the filters i went down to four devices <laughs> so that was not helpful i i really had trouble finding this switch of that four, one of them looked, it didn't look exactly like the type of switch I wanted, but it's just a little black switch you're probably all used to on cheap devices that you've been seeing since you were kids. I mean, that, that's what I recall. So I looked at the picture. It's on, on, momentary. It's just that basic black switch. I thought it was going to look a little bit ugly, but there's room in the case for it. So, okay, I just, I ordered it. So I waited for that to come in. And it came in, it's twice as large as I thought it would be. So this is one of those cases where you should check the data sheets. Actually, this happened to me a couple times on this modification. Check the data sheets and go down into the actual physical size of the device you're buying. You know, when doing projects in the past or, you know, ordering parts, I, I look at the part and I go, oh, yeah, I've seen that part before. That'll work. And I order it. And if it's a little bit too big or a little bit too small, you just adjust the size of your project or you get a little bit bigger project box or you, you, I can deal with it in some different ways. When this switch came in, I'll have a picture of these switches in the uh, show notes. It was much bigger than I thought it would be and I started running into space issues inside the meter. So on previous projects when you can just modify your project a little bit and change the size of your project box, you, you can't do that in this. This is a built meter and you know, I only had so much space in there. But I open the meter up and I take some measurements like with my micrometer can take like inside measurements. So, and I, it did look like I was able to fit this switch in there. So not having many choices for switches anyways, I was just going to go with it. So I opened the meter up and here's where I got in trouble the first time. I turn the meter over, it's lying on its face. I pull out the screws and then I open it up like a book. So open the back up to the left and I'm looking in there. I took all my measurements. It looks like the switch is going to fit. I carefully, you know, draw where I want to make this opening in the meter. I take the back. I go down into the basement. I'm using exacto, exacto knives and uh, a Dremel and some files. And I make the nice hole. And I come back upstairs and put it on top of the clothes, like put it back the way it was laying on the table and then close it up. And because I had the meter opened in a bookmark fashion, when I closed it up, the right side, where there was a lot of room in the back of the meter, now becomes the left side. And the switch would run right into the speaker, you know, the beeping continuity speaker of the meter. And like my head went down and like, <laughs> you know, what am I going to do? So lesson learned there. Pay attention to which side you're flipping things. So now I was going to have this big, ugly hole on the side of my meter. Then I remembered my buddy Acefear from our lug recently got a 3D printer kit. So I fire him off an email. I, I say, look, look at this bonehead move I made. Do you think it would be possible that we can make a little switch plug to go in here? And he said, oh, yeah, definitely. That would be a perfect project for the, for the 3D printer. And he, he just got it. So he's new to it, too. So, you know, it was fun to have a project to do. So the next step was he was, on, uh, he was away uh, at work. So he wasn't going to be back for like two weeks or something. And then I start thinking, well, I, I don't want to say, hey, can we make this plug to go into this meter with your 3D printer and oh by the way you design it so I figured I didn't want to just drop the whole thing in his lap so I had a good week long and weekend 
like cram session trying to learn about 3D printers and trying to learn about the software you use for 3D printers. So that was a little uh, nice side diversion from the mistake, I, boneheaded mistake I made opening up the hole on the wrong side of this meter. So I did all my reading up during the week and I looked at a whole bunch of uh, CAD programs and some of them I, I was just completely lost. My buddy Acefear uses, uh, I think it was called SCAD. And when I loaded that up, I asked him what he used. He told me what he used. I loaded it up, and it was just like a two-pane blank GUI. And then he tells me after. I was just completely lost, and I said, well, I don't, that, that was not the one for me. Being from uh, like some graphic design from college, and I'm always gimping something, or I'm an in Inkscape, I wanted something more leaning towards that end. He tells me that this program that he uses, you just like programmably, pro programmatically type in what you want, like square, this size, by this height, in this location, rounded corners. Somehow you like, he's into programming, so he felt more comfortable there, like programming the 3D shape. I was thinking more like modeling or woodworking, and I wanted something to, you know, put up a shape and change it in different ways and have all the options like I would in the GIMP or Inkscape. And what I settled on, was Blender, and oh my goodness, Blender is, there's options for options for the options. There's, there is so much stuff in there, it's daunting. So that was like three or four days just watching like tutorials on YouTube and just reading up on how to even get around the, the GUI of it. Just tools can slide in and slide out. It's, it's, like, it's like the GIMP on steroids. So anyway, I... Uh, Learned enough to do what I wanted to do. I, I learned how to, you know, put blocks down, how to, like, put another block inside the block and, like, extrude it to leave a hole there. I'll have a picture in the show notes of the, uh, of the switch plug I made. And also, the following week after that, I started thinking, well, why don't I, why don't I make the switch plug for the right side, which is the wrong side, and then on the other side going back to either DigiKey or Mauser, whichever one I was on, of those four switches I was able to select from, two were the large size and two looked smaller. So I said, well, why don't I get the smaller one and I'll see if I can put that in the left hand. But it was so small, it didn't have like a tip on it. So then I'm thinking, okay, maybe I can 3D design a little holder that's going to hold this switch and then 3D design a little nub that's going to go onto this switch and then put that all together and then put that in the side of the meter. I'll have show, oh, there's a picture because I was like kind of shocked. I'll put it in the show notes again. The new switches get here and they are so tiny. I just went to extremes from a huge honking switch to this little switch that like one time I dropped it and it took me, I had a flashlight out to try and find it on the floor. So I went from a large physical switch to something that would more likely be surface mounted like inside a phone or an audio player and do exactly what I was thinking, have a separate piece of nub that sticks out through the case. It's, it's hard to explain, but if you look at the picture, you'll see it's just super tiny. So that was more uh, 3D modeling. I 3D modeled uh, the switch plug to go in the right side, which was the wrong side. And then I 3D modeled the switch plug again, but then modified that to accept the small switch and then a little nub that would uh, 
actuate the uh, actual lever inside the switch. And I sent that all off to Acefear, and he said when he got back to the work, he said when he, when he got back to the factory, he called it. We, I had a laugh at that. When he got back to his uh, house, he would 3D print this, these designs I made. So I had to wait for the lug. He printed them up. He did take pictures, and he took a video. If those are still online, I'll link to those if, if anybody wants to see the, the 3D models being printed up. So Acefear printed me those parts. He brought them to me at the lug, and... We fiddled around, the plug fit in the meter perfectly, and then the switch holder, that was gonna need just a little bit of modification, but it did hold the switch, but the button wasn't, the button that I made to go on the end of it wasn't rocking properly. So I figured, you know, I'll redesign this a little bit, and he said he'd print me off another of the redesign, but I won't get that for I don't, another two weeks, I guess, so. However, when I was putting these pieces into the meter, the the switch blank, and the other piece that I made for the smaller switch, that was also based off the switch blanks or the same size hole. I had to get rid of some plastic inside the meter. Just I just had to nip a few pieces out with my uh, wire cutters. And then I found out that once I did that with this large plastic part for the switch housing, that old switch that was too big did fit into the meter. I just had to clip off a row. It was a double throw switch, so there was four terminals on one side, four terminals on the other side. They were independent of each other, and they both had the same function. Top two terminals on the left would be maintained, closed, when you push it up. The middle would be maintained, closed, when you're in the middle, and down the two bottom lugs would be momentary, and it would snap back to the center position. And the other set of terminals on the left, what did I just say, left or the right? But, you know, the other side did the same thing. They were redundant, so you can use those in other, uh, if you had an application where you, you needed that, I guess. I didn't, and I was able to just clip off the, let me see which side it was. I'm trying to think in my head. I clipped off the left side, looking from the back, clipped off those four terminals, and it stopped hitting the components it was hitting when I would close the case. So... While I was waiting for Acefear to print up the modified tiny switch holder, I figured, why don't I just carry on and I'll use this large switch for now because now it's fitting in the left-hand side of the case and I can continue with the project. And once that little switch modified switch holder gets in, I can uh, open the thing back up and play around a little more. The other problem I mentioned at the very end of the last episode, part one of this, was that the MOSFET was working fine on the breadboard. You pull in the momentary switch, the capacitor charges up, it pulls in the MOSFET, power runs through the MOSFET, and was lighting up an LED just fine. I was able to tweak my timing, use, changing different resistors, and I got something around 10 minutes, which since that time I figured was too long. I'm, I'm now down to the five-minute mark, but that's neither here nor there. So everything was working fine with that circuit. That, that could have gone right on a breadboard, and I, I was going to have it run the meter. But I thought at the end, I better get rid of this LED out of the breadboard and run some alligator clips actually up to the meter to make sure that that MOSFET could handle the current drain that this meter is going to try and draw when it turns on. And it didn't. It took the voltage from 9 volts and immediately like socked it down to 6 volts, and then tick, 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 the, the, the voltage just kept going down from there, and the meter just didn't even power on. So I looked into what this MOSFET was. I, I got them written down somewhere. Uh, 
Okay, here it is. The, the MOSFET that I had at first that was having trouble providing enough power was a 2N7000G. And it says it's a 1 gigahertz end channel 10 nanosecond switching MOSFET. Just looking around at this, I figured this is probably a MOSFET that's supposed to be used in like high speed, low voltage applications, which this is not. This is just slow. I need, basically, I need a little tiny relay. But I don't want a mechanical relay, so I'm using a transistor. So I looked around some more and started going through all the transistors I had, wrote down the numbers, and then I was looking at them individually online. And one that looked like it would be more suitable for this purpose was a 2N3904. And then I also saw that online that it says uh, there's a modern equivalent to that that does better at switching, but that's a 2N. Oh, my handwriting is so sloppy, I can't even read that now. 2N2222, but I don't have one of those here. However, I pulled out the MOSFET and I stuck the 2N3904, which is a switching transistor, which is specifically designed to switch things, not at high speed or anything. I think it's like, like I just said I wanted a minute ago. It's a relay that's not mechanical. I stuck that right in place of the MOSFET, turned everything on, and it worked fine. Put my alligator clips back up to the meter, and bang, it worked fine. So I found all my components for my circuit, and the next step was going to be pull these parts out of the... Oh, this is where I did some further timing, too, by changing the resistors. I, I had to uh, actually put a few... I'll have to look into what sizes those were. Maybe I'll write those up in the show notes, the components I used. But I had to put a few resistors in uh, series to get, to get enough resistance because the capacitor was draining too quickly. It wasn't draining too quickly with the LED just sitting there, but when I put a load on it, it starts to pull, everything starts to pull down. However, this new transistor is going to work. So the next step was I got a piece of perf board, and I pulled my parts out of the breadboard and got them all in there and soldered up. You can see pictures of that. I took pictures, like, every step along the way. Plus, it helps remind me when I see them what I want to blab about here. So that part soldered up, and then I took it into the basement. Actually, perf board is good. You take your wire snippers, and if you have a line of... Uh, Perfboard has all the holes in it. Actually, that might be the wrong term for it. Perfboard might be all the holes with no copper. But I use the one with all the holes, and then each little hole has its own little copper pad already on there. That might have a different term that I'm not thinking of, but I think you know what I'm talking about. But if you have a... The perfboard I used was like two inches by three inches, and all I need was like an inch by a half inch. So I built up all the components up on one corner of the board, and if you take a line of those holes and just take your uh, wire cutters and just start cutting in, it'll, it'll just kind of uh, crack right up through the board and you can split it off that way. So I cracked my parts with the components off the board. I took it in the basement and just on the belt sander, I was just cleaning up all, the, all those holes, leave little jagged edges. Plus, I needed to make a little notch in the top of the board that's going to fit into a piece of, the, uh, a piece of plastic that's sticking out inside the meter. And then I found that if I just rounded off one of the bottom corners, this board would sit right back down into the back of the meter and be, you know, plenty of room for everything to close up. My next step was to wire up the switch. So what I did there was take a red wire, and I went up to the center terminals, the two, t two center terminals, and put the red wire between those. So that's going to be 9 volts power going up to the center of the switch but it's not doing anything at that point. 
If I pull down, it's going to make momentary contact, and I think I had a yellow wire. Yeah, I think it was yellow. A yellow wire went out, and that's what's going to pull in, charge up the capacitor to pull in the MOSFET. If I pushed up, I had it go to another color wire. I can't remember now, but it's probably going to be in the show notes. If I pushed up, that was a maintained contact pushing up, and I just had wa a wire go from that terminal down to the terminal that was momentary already. So I'm, I'm not sure if that's making any sense, but in the up position, it's maintained, and I just went down to the momentary contact just so I can use that yellow wire again. I wouldn't have to have two wires running through the board. And then down momentary, that's going to charge the yellow wire up just for a second. And those two won't interfere with each other. They'll just, one will send nine volts up to the other, and they won't do anything with it. So this all worked out well, and it reduced the amount of wires I had inside the meter. After that was done, it was just a matter of putting it all in the meter. I secured the component board into the back of the meter with a little bit of hot glue. I screwed the uh, switch on, and I have it in my hand right now, and you pull down, and it turns on. Pull the switch down, and it turns on. It runs for five minutes, like I told you I changed the timing on. And if I push the switch up, it's maintained, so I could use that uh, data logging feature of this meter, or you know, if I just need to have the... Sometimes on the bench, I just leave my meters run with the power supply. I just turn everything on. I do whatever I'm doing. But it's when I leave the house with one of these meters that I would turn it on, do something at the lug or the 2600 meeting, and then get distracted and throw the thing aside and forget that I just left it on and it sits in my bag for like a week or a month and the battery is dead by the next time I use it. So now my modifications are complete. There's part two. I have, I have this Unity UT61E, which I actually did a review of. You, you might have heard that before you hear this one. This has become my favorite electronics meter. I use this all the time. And if you heard the last one, I've actually purchased a second one, so I'm kind of a meter nut. Uh, and I, now I have the backlight that I want in it, and now I have the auto timeout feature, so I'm happy. If you don't like it, hack it. Okay, so guys, if anybody wants to leave comments in the comments section, or email is nybill at gunmonkeynet.net, and statusnet GNU social is sn.gunmonkeynet.net. Okay, I'll talk to you guys later. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binweb.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.